0: Good morning, Mount Ararat. I'm so glad that this is a crowd that was willing to brave the snow to come to church today. Our newest pastor that just did announcements here today at Garrisonville, uh, he came from Alaska. He laughed at our text yesterday talking about snow. Come on, hey listen, it is good to be in the house with you. I look forward to every Sunday gathering with you. I wanna welcome you here. I wanna welcome our courthouse campus, Pastor Andrew over there as well as those watching online. Hey, today we're gonna start today off with a great Christmas present to Mount Ararat, introducing for the very first time Our very first, our very next pastor for student ministry, Jason Windsor, come on up, your family, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on London. Jason, we have been waiting a long time for you to finally get here with us, and Aaron's with him today, as well as his oldest son, London. And what I want you to do in the few minutes here today, I want you to introduce your beautiful crew, because you've got a great family. He's still unloading boxes in his new house over in Aquia Harbor, so pray for him as he is trying to put his house in order this week, but it is good to finally have you here on the ground. And then just tell us just a word of hope that you believe as God's led you and your family here, and what you hope for in
1: coming to Mount Ararat. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, we uh, loved it so far. This is my lovely wife and better half, Erin. That's my oldest son, London. We have four others not pictured on this stage today. I think we got a picture of oh. them. We're going to show them on screen. Right now. <laughs> right now. There you well, go. There we go. So, on uh, the far, my right, your left, that's Avonlea. She's in the fourth grade, uh, holding me closely like she does so often, as Asher Rose in the first grade. The two boys in the back, the oldest is four years old. He's on the right, that's Silas. Ezra is in the middle, and that is our unpacking team. (laughs) That is my moving crew. uh, We unloaded everything yesterday, and in the midst of unpacking, um, but we're excited to be here with you guys. Uh, We're excited for what God has for student ministries. And really, uh, the word of hope, what do do I expect or what do I want God to do in student ministries here? Just greater than anything we could ever expect. We have big hopes. We came here. We couldn't, if you had told me what state is Stafford in, gun to my head, I would have died that day. (laughs) Um, I know three people here because I've met them all during the interview process. My family picked this up on faith uh, God has led us here, and with that expectation in mind, we expect great things, because I don't think he would have led us here for anything else. That's
0: good. Come on, let's tell him once again how grateful we are. Thank you all for being here today. God Appreciate bless Appreciate you. Well, Listen, as they leave the stage, we are excited in their early days here. If you have anything to do with student ministry, I would just hope you would step out of the crowd and give them some encouragement today. I know on the early days, it's important for them to meet you, and that's why they want to be here. We were going to try to have a reception last Sunday, but they had a few bumps in the road, couldn't get here last week. So we'll do a more welcoming party in the new year because Jesus is kind of a big deal, and we want to make Christmas about Christmas. So we'll, we'll welcome you in a more formal way in the months to come but you help me out today to tell them thank you for being here uh, today, Hey, I want to also say one more thing to our courthouse campus. Pastor Andrew, uh, courthouse campus, we we love you. We love you. And we thank you so much for the courage that you've shown us in this last two years. This last two years, you stepped out and were early pioneers to try this thing out of loading in, loading out every weekend. And I know we shared last week that we're going to hit a finish line next Sunday. And it's going to be our final Sunday at Colonial Forge High School. But it's not going to be the last time we're doing multiple side. It's just as we reposition ourselves for the new year, we're trying to really be faithful where God wants to lead us to go next. But I just want to again say thank you for stepping out to do that. That we have 65 new brothers and sisters in faith because you were willing to go. Yeah. That we have 19 more people that were willing to go public and share their faith through water baptism. And we have hundreds of people that have worshiped there weekly. Hundreds of people that have been in small group. And hundreds of people that volunteer on Sundays over at Courthouse, rain, snow, or shine. And I just want to say thank you for your courage because that's the kind of courage we needed to be ready to go to Fredericksburg this next year in 2018. And I tell you, we're gonna be building upon that kind of faith in the days to come. And so again, thank you. Let me share one final thing. I know we've been giving you a lot of information, but I wanna make sure you clearly understand our Christmas schedule. Uh, On Christmas weekend, uh, we are gonna begin uh, celebrating this outreach time on one location, one campus, this one right here. On Saturday evening, December 23rd, we're going to have two services at 4 o'clock and at 5.30 right here in this space. Then on Sunday, December 24th, we're going to have four services. That morning, we're going to have a 9.30 service and an 11.15 service. And then that afternoon at 4 o'clock and 5.30, we're going to also have uh, Christmas services then. So we're going to have a total of six services that weekend. They're all identical. So if you come on Saturday, and you come back on Sunday morning, you come back on Sunday afternoon, they're all going to be the same. Our hope would be is that you would pray about coming to one of those services and that you wouldn't come alone, that you would invite somebody to join you and your family to sit with you. And then we would hope that you would give us one other service to volunteer at. And then that way you can help us welcome and greet anyone and everyone that shows up. Now, what are going to be the harder services to fill? Probably Saturday evening, because that's not the normal Christmas Eve time slot. But we hope that we have two great expressions of Christmas worship on those nights. And then that Sunday morning, if you come, uh, you're going to get the same service. And if you come on that Sunday morning and serve on that Sunday morning, then you have freed up space for us as we reach out to people on that Sunday afternoon evening at 4 and 530. So does that make sense? Then the following Sunday, uh, we have so many volunteers that we want to honor and bless that that following Sunday, December 31st, we will not physically gather here, but instead we'll leverage technology and we'll all gather online for an online service. I know that's a little bit out of the box, but it'll give us a chance to honor all of our amazing volunteers so they can worship with their own family uh, and the comfort of their own homes. And then it also gives you a gift that if you're traveling somewhere and you're in another location, hey, wake everybody up, turn it on and watch watch with us that morning. And you you have the opportunity to select the time of when you watch that day. And so again, December 31st, if you show up here You'll think rapture happened because nobody will be here, but you get online and you join us during that season. So I just wanted to make sure you're clear about that because we only have a few, well, actually one more Sunday to really share that schedule with you. And I wanted to give that to you today. And so with that being said, let's do this. Let's bow our hearts together at both campuses and let's just, just ask God for something this morning. As we quiet our hearts in this moment, would you just say this out loud right now, right there where you're seated at both campuses. Would you say this? God, come on, say that with me. God, speak to me. I need to hear from you. This morning, share with me about Christmas, that it may change me today. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. If you have a Bible turn with me to John chapter 15. Today, today we are going to continue our series Picture Perfect Christmas. Turn to your neighbor and say you got 15 days to buy my gift. <laughs> 15 days until Christmas. And I know some of you will wait to that final hour, and you'll have to buy that cheap musk over at the CVS store. But if you got 15 more days to purchase your gifts and to get your house ready and to get your heart ready for Christmas, and you only have four days to get your heart ready for the new Star Wars, I just want you to know that. But uh, but uh, not to get confused with what really matters. Today we're going to continue our series called Picture Perfect. Christmas and I thought about this spiritual question what would make Christmas perfect for you what would make Christmas perfect for you would it make would it make a difference tomorrow if you showed up at work and your boss said I want to give you an amazing raise and he said, here you go, here you go. Or she said, here you go. Here's an extra Christmas bonus that you weren't expecting so that you can do something special for your friend." Would that make Christmas perfect for some of you? Come on, you didn't get the jelly of the month club. Come on, you got, you got enough to go put in the pool. I mean, come on, Clark, are you ready for Christmas? Would that make Christmas perfect for you? What would make Christmas perfect for some of you is if you had a chance to go on like a, a great vacation, and maybe you got away from all the stress and all the struggle and all the pressure and you got to load up the people that matter to you and you got to travel somewhere exotic, right? Come on, some of you might even go to Hawaii for Christmas. Come on, back there, Wilkie Renwick, right? But what would make Christmas perfect for you? What would it? What would it? You know, for many of us, though, it would, about, it would be about maybe what if you could spend Christmas this year with a long-lost friend that you hadn't seen in a while or a family member that maybe is deployed or, or somebody that hadn't caught up in a long time and they made arrangements, y'all made arrangements so you could spend Christmas, this Christmas together. Would that, would that make Christmas perfect? Or, or what about if you could just maybe make something right with someone? If this could be the year that finally all of that wall that's been against you could come down and you could make peace with each other. That that you could come back together and you could forgive, that you could Find reconciliation in a relationship that you thought was long and gone and broken, but somehow God restored it. Would, would that make Christmas perfect for you? It's interesting what we would define to make Christmas perfect, but so often we live under a pressure of trying to make Christmas perfect that we can never ever get to a feeling where it ever arrives. And I thought about why is Christmas such a stressful time, and I kind of poked at that last week. But, but really, if you think about it, we press a lot more into our lives in this 30 days, this 30 days of Christmas, 31 days of Christmas, right, of, of December, I should say. Our time feels under pressure. Our money feels under pressure. And if you're living with any disconnected relationship right now, That feels heavier and more pressure at Christmas. Can we just all agree there? There's this pressure that we feel. And yet there's this longing that we want. We want want things to be better. We want things at Christmas to be perfect. And so today as we come back to this place, if you're here today and you feel any pressure with your time, with your money, or any disconnected relationship, then good morning and welcome to Mount Ararat. Because this couldn't be a better service and a better series for us to listen to God's word. Because God does have a story to tell us about Christmas. And and maybe his version of the story is different than the one that you're currently living. I love the Bible. Come on, anybody love the Bible? I love God's word. Because it tells us the story of God. God. And if we go to the Old Testament, in the Old Testament of the part of the Bible, we, it's, we get to see glimpses of who God is. We get to see glimpses of God's character and how he interacts with his people, Israel. But then we move to the New Testament and we get a more complete picture of who God is. Matter of fact, we get the perfection of who God is because we finally meet Jesus in the story. Jesus, God's son, and it's in Jesus we really get to know what God is like, and we get to really see his character on display through a a baby that grows up into becoming a man named Jesus. And so this idea of understanding the story of God is to understand who Jesus is. And as I introduced last week, we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus by listening to some of these I am statements that he says about himself. There's seven times in scripture recorded where Jesus says, I am, and he gives a description of what he is like. Some of you were here last week, both campuses right now. Come on, play along with me. Last week's statement, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Does anybody remember what that means, the significance that Jesus says, I am the bread of life? What do we do with bread? We eat it. And this idea that Jesus saves... This idea that Jesus satisfies, that's really what we wanted to hear, right? This idea of Jesus sustains and Jesus, what, what, was the, what was the last one? Come on, I don't even remember my own sermon. He secures, right? He secures, good, good. I'm testing the front row right here, right? But in this idea of what Jesus does, it shows up in this, this little metaphor, this allegory of what he's like. He is, he is the bread of life. Well, today we're going to go to another I am statement and it's found right there in John 15. Except this time we're going to go to his last I am statement, number seven. And the writer John records it. And let's just listen to the word of God. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is interesting because when we begin to hear it again, it really gives us this description. And it's not just saying who Jesus is. It's also saying who God is. And it's also saying who the disciples are, i.e., who the Christians are. And so what does it say there? Jesus says, I am the what? I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. And later he says, you are the what? The branches. Now, that's what I want us to kind of micro in today, this idea of, of God being our true vine. To me, there's something here. You see, Jesus uses, uh, again, a visual that would have been an everyday visual for people living in Israel. You see, this idea of this vine, this vineyard, this idea of grapes growing, this idea of that would have been something that would have been very common that Jesus could use to teach from to show an aspect of what he is like. And so this idea of using the vineyard is important to understand because vines and vineyards were all over Israel now, when you read the Bible, you'll find that, that in the Old Testament, it talks about the vines, and it represents the vines as Israel in the Old Testament. And then if, you, if you've ever visited Israel, or if you know anything about the history of Israel, they use the vines as part of their emblem to describe this land of Israel. And so in the idea of the vines, what do we get from vines? Come on, we get grapes that are good to eat, We get raisins that are also good to eat, and then we get wine. And so this idea of these images of what Jesus is like, I think it's important for us to see. Just like Jesus is the bread of life, Jesus is the true vine. Now, in understanding the picture that he's drawing from us, let me tell you this, because in the Old Testament, when it refers to Israel being the vine, there's a reason that God plants Israel to be a vine in the land of Canaan. God is trying to show the world who he is like, and he wants to show himself through the nation of Israel. But the problem with Israel is the same problem with you and me, is that Israel's far from perfect. Israel is very selfish in nature, And instead of producing righteousness, Israel produced rebellion. Instead of practicing justice, Israel practiced oppression. Israel showed no real distinctive of who God is because of their own rebellion against God. And so God looked at the situation and he realized that he needed to do something next... And it was to replace Israel with a better vine. And that's what leads us to Christmas. Come on. That's what leads us to Jesus is that he's going to replant a new work and the work is going to be centered upon himself. And as we see this take place in the New Testament, I want us to look at this allegory again because there's something very specific that Jesus is spelling out. And I don't want anybody to miss it at this campus or at courthouse or even online. So here you go. Here you go. Jesus gives us the story and he calls it out again. Let me just put it on the screen for you. He says, the gardener is God, the true vine is Jesus, And the branches he's talking to, the branches that day is the disciples, and I would say the branches are Christians. Now, I know today you could be here and not be a Christian. I get that. But I believe there might be a reason why you're here if you're not a believer. But in that us part of it, there is going to be a a responsibility as well as a result for us as, as followers of Jesus Christ. And I believe this Christmas, talking about picturing something, that I want you to be able to picture something here in the story. Now, I'll admit, as you read any translation of Scripture, they're all translations. If you've got a King James Bible, it's a King James translation from that Hebrew language, that Greek language that we're trying to get into English form. But sometimes the King James is hard to understand because it's written like a Shakespearean language, right? It's kind of Old English. Maybe you've got the New King James, maybe you got the NIV, maybe you got an ESV. I don't know what translation of the copy of scripture you have, but when it talks about connecting to the true vine, maybe the word in your scripture is remain, or maybe the word in your scripture is abide. I like the word abide because it's different, it's deeper, it's bigger than just the one single word remain, remain. Now, I was thinking about this even earlier this morning. If last week, what was the big idea last week? That God satisfies us in Jesus. This idea of us receiving Jesus into our lives and learning to love him. I believe there's something about this abiding word. There's something about this this call to growing in our faith that that we got to pay attention to here. So let me give you the definition of the word abide. I think this is one of those things, you need to write this down. This is a big part of the message here, abide. And let me give you the word. It comes from the Greek word, meno, but it means to connect. It means to dwell. It means to cling. And then it means to remain. That's part of the definition. Now, matter of fact, let's read these words out loud because I want them to get in your head. I want them to come out of your mouth and I want them to begin to pierce your heart. Look at this definition again. What does it mean? It means to what? To connect, to dwell, to cling, to remain. Again, to connect, to dwell, to cling, and to remain. Do you see that there's a different definition here that I want you to picture today? Matter of fact, picture this about the word abide. There's some things I want you to picture about this word abide. The first thing I want you to see is this word abide is used 11 times in this chapter. The word remain or abide is used 11 times. And it shows us this, that this word is about relationship. Can we just all agree at Christmas time, relationships aren't easy relationships take commitment not just from one party but from both parties relationships are reciprocal okay can we at least go there today well today in this idea of God being the true vine it's about connection it's about relationship it's about learning how to abide in him this is something I want you to pay attention to today And so when we understand this idea of relationship, I want you to think about a relationship that you've had for for many, many years. I want you to think about maybe that friendship, that's friends over time. I want you to think maybe even about a relationship with a family member over a long period of time. Maybe it is a grandparent. Maybe it is a parent. Maybe if you're here today and you're married, maybe it's a a husband-wife relationship. Maybe today if you're a mom or a dad, it's you and your child relationship. I want you to think about a relationship right now, and I want you to think about this idea of connecting in a healthy way in that relationship. You got it yet? I started thinking about that this week, and I got all warm and fuzzy thinking about me and my wife Pam. Now, I know not everybody's married, but this is my example, so just kind of go there with me for a minute. In 1990 is when I first began my relationship with Pam. We became friends working a summer job together, and that summer, that summer, we began to step into a relationship with each other, and we began to, to date one another, and, and at that stage of my life in 1990, I, I, had, never, I had never been in love with anybody before. I had never felt that. I've never thought that. Matter of fact, if you would have asked me, I would have said, I'm never going to fall in love, and I'm never going to get married ever, Right? because of some of the pain of growing up in a family that had experienced divorce and so I told you I'm not going to do that but yet there was something I was feeling about Pam that I'd never felt before in my life and it scared me it freaked me out are you with me And I remembered because at the end of the summer, she needed to go back to Texas A&M and I had to go back to my school, Stephen F. Austin. And we were about to go back from our summer jobs and go back to our schools. And I wanted to share some things with her, but I was scared. And I remember when I finally told her, it wasn't that long, it wasn't that long in the relationship, I told this, this woman that I loved her. And at the same breath I said, I love you, I broke up with her. That's how scared I was. Listen, I said I was scared, not smart. Are you with me? Sure enough, we go back to our schools and I couldn't rest with that. We ended up getting back together and we began to date for another two years together. But that summer of 1990 was the first time I declared to somebody a significant relationship in that way to tell a girl that I loved her. I loved her." Now, when I thought about that declaration on that day, I thought about all the things that were involved in that connection that day. Uh, there's a lot that's happened in our life since that moment. Matter of fact, when I think about my life with her all these years, I look back when I said I loved her then, and I meant it then, but when I look back on my life now with her, I think about now, we dated for two years, right? We got married at Plymouth Park United Methodist Church. Since then, we lived in two different apartments, we lived in two different houses, we are raising three daughters, and we've lived in two different states. Some of you, you can eclipse that by a long shot, right? But I'm just telling you my story, right? And as I think about all the years that we've spent together, we've had some up times in our lives, we've had some low times in our life. We've experienced two miscarriages. We've experienced some family members divorcing. We've experienced some loss of loved ones since we've lived up here and being removed from our family in Texas. But in all of these years, sharing all these moments together, all of these amazing Christmases together, this last summer we just celebrated 25 years of marriage. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you this. Thank you for that. I'm here to tell you this though. When I say I love you to my wife now, It just means something different than it did 25 years earlier. Are you with me yet? If you can understand why that changed, then you're starting to understand what the word abide means. This word abide means to cling. It means to dwell. It means to hold on. It means to remain. It means to forgive. It means to love. It means to connect. are Are you with me yet? The word abide, the word abide is something about what we can gain if we're willing to what? To remain in that relationship with that person. And when I thought about that, I thought about your life. And Some of you are in a dating relationship right now. Some of you are married right now. And, and you know what's funny? Is a lot of times couples come up with terms of endearment for each other. Come on, you got your little pet names for each other. Come on, hey, snicky, Snooki, Snooki you, know, you know, you say these things. Listen, my wife and I, we don't have that. We just never had that. But what we do have, I'll invite you into, is we do have something that we do say with each other pretty consistently over time is that when either, either of us ever say this, I love you to the other one out loud, the other normally will say this back, I love you more. And we've done this for our whole dating life. We've done this in our married life. I love you. And it's almost like we've created a competition. No, 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 I'm gonna outlove you. No, 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 I'm gonna outlove you. And it's like, I love you more. I love you more. I love you more. I love you more. Now you can laugh at that, but I think that's part of what abiding is is realizing that love is not static. No, love is dynamic. It's moving somewhere, and am I moving in line with love? Is this this helping anybody yet today? Because see, when we look here at this power of this picture, relationship is all about connection. And God is the gardener, Jesus is the true vine, and we are the branches. I want you to see this and I want you to picture three things about the word abide today that I think can help you evaluate your relationship with Jesus or not and can help you lead you to make sure you're heading in the right direction. The first thing is this, the word abide. Abide keeps Uh, Abide keeps relationships alive. I like that. Abide keeps relationships alive. Say that out loud with me, both campuses. Come on. Abide keeps relationships alive. It's how we stay alive. It's how we continue to breathe in and breathe out is that we abide, we abide. Everyone here today has been born physically. Did y'all know that? Yeah, you have. You didn't know that. It's early, I know. But everybody here has been physically born today. Everybody at courthouse, even people online, you have been physically born. Raise your hand if you remember when you were born. What, no hands? No hands? No hands? No, you don't remember that day. You don't remember that day at all. But your mom remembers that day, and she calls it labor. Isn't that interesting? That we don't remember that physical day of being born, yet in this passage of scripture what we hear is listening here to what Jesus is saying here today he's not referring to our physical birth he's referring to our spiritual birth now I hope you can remember the moment you surrendered your life to Christ the moment you began a relationship with him because that is your spiritual birthday that is your day that you began with him to me that's important for us to identify with here because abiding keeps the relationship alive Now remember that late night conversation where Nicodemus came at night and talked with Jesus. And Jesus said boldly to him that day, he said, you must be born again. Again, not referring to a physical birth, but referring to a spiritual birth. And so I want you to think about your spiritual birth today. Because to me, it's where we began, but it's not just about beginning, it's how we continue. The only way that we can spiritually live, Jesus says, is if we're connected to the true vine. That's the only way you and I can live. So the question is, are you connected to Jesus? Are you? Are you connected to him? You see, it's not just what happens initially, but it's what happens continually. I think that's a real big key here. Now, as you think about this idea of of growing with him, do you, regularly, do you regularly meet with God? Maybe that's why you're here today at church. I wanna meet with you, God. God, I wanna hear from you today, God. Do you regularly come and meet with God? But you know what? You don't have to just meet with God at church. Do you every day, do you talk to God? What do we call that? It's prayer. Are you regularly talking to God and listening to God? It's called prayer. Do you open up the word of God and every day say, God, say something new to me today? Do you connect and gather with other believers so that you can grow in your understanding of Scripture and grow in your relationship with God? Do you, do you volunteer and serve others in your life here at church and outside the walls of this church and even the people that are in your life at work and at home and in your neighborhood? This idea of abiding is living. This idea of living is understanding what God wants to do in you and through you. Are you connected? Are you connected to Jesus? And so the question is, how closely are you connected? How closely are you dwelling? Are you clinging to Jesus? Is your relationship alive? And so this idea of abiding is so key because it keeps our relationship alive. Alive. Abide keeps relationships alive. Say that with me. Abide keeps relationships alive. Well, here's number two to this Abide is knowing and growing. Amen. Picture this Abide is knowing and growing. Say that out loud. Come on. Knowing and growing, knowing and growing, knowing and growing, knowing and growing. I think this is so key. This is so key. And and it's about continuing to live in a relationship. And that's what it's all about. This idea of abiding over time is how we connect. It's how we cling. It's how we dwell. It's how we remain in love with with someone. And and it's so true in a human relationship, it's even more true in, in in a relationship with Christ. And I think sometimes we miss this idea of growing, knowing and growing knowing and growing there's a reason my love relationship with pam changed from that first moment i began to date her to all these years of history with her why because all of a sudden we have shown each other over time that we can keep trusting one another have there been some low moments where it had been easy to walk away i hate to admit yes there were some low moments But I'm glad we didn't make a permanent decision in those seasons of great unrest and uncertainty. Because when we came out on the other side of that big dip, we looked back and went, wow, look at how God has grown us in this moment. And I think now, all these years later, I I can't imagine not walking these days with her. And that's a human relationship of abiding. But to me, it's the same thing with our spiritual life with God. God wants to walk in stride with us And again, marriage is my example, but you have people in your life that you've loved over time, and how does that work for you? You see, when we think about this thing of faith, salvation might be where we start with God. Salvation's to know, but discipleship is to crow. And to me, that's so key to understanding the richness and the depth of God's love. It's not just when you begin with God, it's as you walk with God over time is where you really begin to understand the reservoir of his mercy and grace and his love and, and his truth for you. This idea of Mount Ararat inviting people to Jesus is important. And I'll admit, I love Sundays because I I love watching people begin with Jesus. But you know what I love even more than that? I love watching people continue with Jesus. I love people growing in their understanding of who God is. And then they're not the same now as they were yesterday. And that they're changing literally before our very eyes because of God's presence in their life. You know this to be true. And as we think about this theme of growing, knowing and growing with God is where the real joy comes from. Look at this, John chapter 15. Let's go a little further in the passage. Look at verse nine. He says, as the father loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Isn't that good? God tells us that something happens when we stay connected to the true vine. And it's not just about us and God, but it's about us and God and us with other people as well. There's something about this picture of where the real joy comes from. It comes with loving God over time. But growing with God is about obeying God. Don't miss that big part here. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll obey my words. So is our God a holy God? Does he expect some life from us? Yeah, and does he empower us to actually live it? He does. But God wants us to live differently. He wants us to be distinctive. He wants us to be able to be a witness for him in this world. And when we think about this idea of following God, it's about obeying God. Following God is about obeying God. But there's days we don't always get it right. How do we keep going back to God when we get it wrong so that we can be forgiven again and begin to walk again? Obeying is how we love God. Come on, y'all hear that, don't you? And it doesn't just stop with just obeying. It takes it further. He takes it to the horizontal relationship with each other. What does he say about that? He says, so that my joy may be in you. And then he goes on to say, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This idea of love, this idea of loving one another is so important to understanding this message that the way we grow in God is obeying God and loving others. Obeying God and loving others. Now, let's just think about the whole Bible again. In the Old Testament, when God's loving Israel, what does he give Israel to follow? He gives them the Ten Commandments. Now, if you know anything about the Ten Commandments, it's this. The first four commandments about how to love God. The last six commandments are about how to love one another. Interesting. When Jesus comes, he's the complete picture of God. Jesus gives us what's called the great commandment. The great commandment says what? Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. What is he saying? He's reinforcing the ten commandments. Love God, love one another. And then in his I am statement of I am the vine, what is he saying all over again to us in this story? He's saying, love God and love who? Love one another. This idea of relationship, this idea of connection, this idea of I am the vine is all about connection. And are we going to abide in him or are we gonna push away from him and do things our own way? Because he says, apart from me, you can do nothing spiritually the only way we spiritually live is to be connected to the vine and this is so important for us to understand how to walk with him so are you committed to knowing and growing are you committed to being a church that's for one more in this last series for one more I said there were four practices that can help us to grow spiritually You remember the four words the word invite The word gather, the word give, and the word volunteer. These are some obedient things that we can do that helps us to know and grow more about God and to know and grow and to serve others. To me, this is what he's saying about the vine here. It's reinforcing the things that we've talked about. But here's what I believe today is that some of us though might not be tightly connected right now to Jesus. I believe it's easy to wander from God. I think our our old nature, that old man, that old woman, wants to be independent and wants to do this thing on our own. But yet we don't realize when we wander from God, we're also leaving the very source of life that we desperately need to know and grow in the right way. And what I love about God's word when we look at it again and again and again is that God loves us enough to meet us right where we are, even if we're in a messed up situation. He loves us enough. Come on, CR. He loves us enough to meet us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the same. God expects us to grow. God expects us to change. And the good news is it's not going to be in your strength and my strength, but it's going to be through surrender. It's going to be in drawing close. It's going to be in abiding that God begins to change our desires, change our priorities, change some of our actions, and to change some of even our words. And God wants to change us. He wants to grow us. Come on, does this make sense today as we look at this? And here's what he says. He says, when you begin to change, not only will you be blessed, but everybody around you will also be blessed. This idea of abiding... Is about knowing and growing. And then there's the last one. Number three. Abide results in showing. Abide results in showing. It's not just about knowing and growing, but it's also about showing. And I think this is so important for us as witnesses of God's great news. Is that when the vine is growing, it produces fruit. Picture the progression here as we listen to the words again together. It says this, it says, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? So that he'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. For this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Showing it, showing it, showing it. Abiding results in showing. You see, this idea of progression is important. He goes from being a a vine that has no fruit to having what? Fruit, to having more fruit, to having much fruit. There's this progression of what can happen in your life and my life if we'll stay abiding in him. It's something that he wants to do in and through our lives. And I want you to see that. See, there's an expectation, though, that Jesus says we're going to show the world what God is like. That over time, everything in our lives is going to reveal God. Our words, our attitude, our actions, our priorities, they're going to show that we've been changed in Jesus. And I believe this, the longer we live in faith, it ought to show up. Come on. In love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, And gentleness and self-control. What did I just do right there? Come on, where did I quote from? Galatians talking about the fruit of the Spirit. You see, when you're abiding in the vine, this ought to begin to show up in your life. This ought to begin to show up in your relationship. So the question is, is that showing up right now from you? Or is there something about the connection with Christ that needs to change? Is there something there that needs to grow? You see, I believe this, when we begin to walk closer with Christ, we will be people that stand up for those marginalized, that will stand up for the abused, that we'll stand up for justice, that we'll stand up for the poor, that when we become the people of God and we remain in Jesus, we'll stand up against hate, we'll stand up against racism, we'll stand up against sexism, We'll stand up against oppression that's happening in real time right here. Why? Because we want to what? We want to put God on display. God has called us to live in a different way. Some of the strongest verses in this chapter are verse 16 and 17. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last This idea of showing who we are in Christ, I think, is so important. God's called us to be a witness. We're supposed to be known by His great love. Now, the hardest part of this chapter I've I've kind of avoided on purpose because there's some cutting and pruning that it talks about. This is hard to understand. And and for some, when you start thinking about being cut off and thrown in fire and this idea of judgment language... In talking about this idea of being connected but here's what I want you to hear in this passage that if you're already connected to God through Jesus Christ you have a connection even if it's a weak connection and there might be some branches in your life if you're the if you're part of this story if you're a Christian there's some branches in your life that might be dried and withered that need to be cut now I don't know, know a whole lot about horticulture. I don't know a whole lot about this whole vine dressing. But, but I know as I studied even this passage that, that a good vine dresser, a good gardener will cut off the dead parts that are visibly dead and then there'll be parts on the vine that have just a little bit of growth. He'll cut those off too. She'll cut those off too. Why? Why would a vine dresser, why would a gardener cut off parts that have growth in them? Because there's something about There's something about the way it grows that when you remove the dead parts, when you remove even the the parts that aren't bearing much fruit, and you remove those parts, it actually creates this this greater return, this abundance of growth that's now possible. Where if it was hindered by all those other parts, it it would never come to that kind of fullness. Jesus is trying to show us here that oftentimes it doesn't feel good when I'm having to cut something from you. When I'm having to cut something from your life, I'm having to remove something from your life that might even had a little bit of good parts to it. But even in the good parts to it, it was still hindering what I want to do in you and through you. You see, we might look first when we watch this this happen that the cutting seems wrong. It seems painful and it seems harmful to the ultimate vine. But over time, when we step back, we begin to see that that cutting and that pruning was actually necessary. So the question is today, not just asking about your connection with Christ. The question today is, what does God need to cut off in your life? What does God need to prune in your life? So that you can begin to really experience the power and the presence and the abiding of what he really wants to be in and through you. Because is that making sense over at Courthouse today? Is that making sense right here in this room today? It's hard though to say, oh God's a good God but he cuts us. He's a good God but he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna hurt me temporarily to help me eternally. But it's true. It's true and sometimes when we're in the episode of not feeling real close to God and he's trying to cut something bad out of our lives, it's when we're fighting against him and we think God hates us and we think God's against us when actually what he's doing for us is the most loving thing he could do for us. So in this Christmas season, can we just come back to picture what it's like when we see Jesus says, I am the true vine. I'm going to call our worship team back out, both campuses, and as they come back out, I want to, once again, like I did last week, talk to the obvious place in this story where we kind of look at it again and go, that's good, Pastor, but how does this have anything to do with Christmas? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you have your Bible still there, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Now Isaiah, this is about 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. And Isaiah is known as a prophet and a writer. And prophets often are known as predicting the future. But the number one job of a prophet is to call people back to a right relationship with God. That's the whole purpose of a prophet. Isaiah writes these words that I think are predicting of what's going to come one day when the Messiah shows up. And I want you to hear the language that he uses. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It says that he grew up before us like a tender shoot. Did you see that? Come on. He grew up before us like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. That's what the Messiah is going to be like. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Yet he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one whom people would hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. You see... God's about to plant something that's going to come out of the ground and we're going to see it happen. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Watch this. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now drop down, drop down to verse 11. It says, Jesus came to that which were His own, His own people, Israel, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will but born of God now watch this that the word became flesh and he made his what he made his dwelling among us he abided right here with us And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and full of truth come on did you hear that did you hear that like a tender shoot coming out of dry ground that's when God shows up when we're dry and desperate and needing him he shows up and he shows up in a way that's magnificent and what does he do he chooses to abide here with us to dwell here with us to cling here with us to remain here in us and through us why so that we can what be spiritually alive in him so that we can be spiritually alive, so that we can know and that we can grow and we can show the world that we are changed. Come on, Merry Christmas to you, church. That's what the story is all about. When Jesus says, I am, I am, I am the true vine. It's telling us, it's showing us what he wants to do through you. But the question is, are you connected to him? Are you connected to him? What if God brought you here today because you need to get connected to Him? What if God brought you here today because you need to what? Get reconnected to Him. It's been a long time since you've experienced life in Him. And yet God loves you enough to give you the truth today, but to give it to you with some grace. To say, come on, let me love you. Let me lead you. Come experience me today. And that's what He's doing right now here for us. So I want us to do something very specific I want us to evaluate what these words are now saying to our lives because there's a lot of believers here at both campuses today and God is speaking to us. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at just a few areas of our life and evaluate, am I connected to God? And am I connected well with others? Or is there areas in my life that are disconnected that need to be healed? Here we go, let's go to your workplace. Whether you go to work or school. Let me ask you right now, work at school, one to 10. One meaning disconnected and horrible, 10 meaning alive. Right now, where would you give a grade to yourself at work or at school? Come on, what would it be right now? What's your number? What's your number right now? Is God speaking right now in that? All right, let's go to another place. Let's go to a home. Let's go to your home relationships right now. What grade would you give yourself right now in your connection right now with you, the people in your life that live in your home? And maybe it's your extended family that you're gonna see at Christmas. What is your connection grade right now today? Let's go, let's go there and evaluate there today. What number would you give? Or is God speaking right now to you? What about another area? Come on, another area of your life. What about your neighborhood? We've been talking about being for our neighbors. What could you do this Christmas season to show them love and grace and truth? Maybe it's an invitation this year at Christmas to join your family on the day, the night that you come to worship here with us. Come on. What else? What about your Jesus relationship? Because that's really the one that matters the most. What would be your your connection level today with him? I know what Jesus would say. What would you say? Can you honestly today, can you honestly today to say, Jesus, I love you. You, can you say that? Is your life saying, Jesus, I love you. And you know what Jesus would say back to you today on that one, he says, I love you more. I love you more than you ever imagined. I am the true vine, my father's the gardener. Don't be afraid of the cutting and the pruning. It's for you, it's not against you. Today, I wanna wanna connect with you. Do you wanna connect with me? Because I love you more, and I love you more, and I love you more. And i love you more that's what jesus would say today would you receive that love today come on i'm over time and i'm going to keep preaching because god's speaking somebody today right now in this holy moment so i'm going to ask you here today if today right now you feel disconnected with jesus or if today you feel connected from one of those human relationships that i pointed out and there's disconnection right now in your heart and it's gonna get in the way of you experiencing perfect Christmas this year. I want you to be a witness to that pain and I want you to testify to that need in your life in this way. Right here, right now, if you're disconnected to Jesus or if you're disconnected to one of those relationships right now, right now at both campuses, right now, stand up right now, stand up and say, I need prayer pastor, that's me. That's me. Anybody else? Come on, stand up. Stand up. Tempt. Right now I'm disconnected. Right now I need prayer. Right now we need forgiveness. Right now I need healing. God, I need, I need you to help me because I don't know how I'm gonna keep connecting there. I don't know how to keep holding on. Help me to see that you're holding on to me tighter than I'm holding on to you. Is that anybody else? Come on. Come on. Don't don't rebel against God today. If he's speaking to you. You know you need prayer, stand up right now. Come on, in Jesus' name, stand up. Stand up, stand up, come on. Right now, church, both campuses, I want us to pray for our brothers and sisters. I want you right now, in Jesus' name, to move to somebody standing. Nobody stands alone. Come on, move right now. Go stand and pray over them. Don't ask them one question. Pray for their connection with Jesus. Pray for their relationships. Come on, that's what this is about right now. Come on, pray. There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Nobody stands alone. Come on. You see somebody standing, go move to them right now. Come on. Somebody standing alone. I don't want anybody standing alone. Come on, move. Move. Come on, if you're a Christian, move. Help me out. Let's be the church right now in this moment. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Father, this is your time. Pray that prayer out loud right now. Let them hear it. Pray it out loud right now. Yes. Father God, as you take these prayers today, as they come up to you and sit in your lap, God, would you just be a loving father today? Oh God, would you be a good gardener today? As we connect our lives to Jesus, the vine, the true vine, Thank you for giving us a way to him. And it's in Jesus God, you want to make us new. You want to change that which is disconnected and broken. God, may this Christmas, may we experience your best. Jesus, you're perfect. That's why Christmas can be perfect, because you're perfect. In your presence, you make all things new. Thank you for being here today and ministering today in a moment that's real. God, I want to pray for that person that's never begun a relationship with you, that today is the day they say, I need you, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. Come into my life, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. And now lead me. I want to be a witness for you in this world. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you, God, for discipleship. Lead us this Christmas. It's in your name that we pray. Amen and amen.